Hi, I'm Jerry Gerard, and I'm not immortal, but neither are you. Hey, it's Jerry. I'm a big fan of Ricky Gervais. Ricky Gervais created the original Office, the British version. I think he had a hand in the American version, but I think it was more of a hand from a distance. He also came up with other shows, one called Extras. He made a couple of movies, one that I love called The Invention of Lying. Recently, on Netflix, he had a series called Afterlife, which is a comedy of sorts about a man who loses his wife to cancer and has to decide how he's going to move on with his life. And there's a scene in the near the end of the six-episode run that I just thought was beautiful. If I'm going to do this carrying-on-living thing, it's going to be on my terms, I'm going to do what I want, and I've always got suicide to fall back on. Got to have a backup. Exactly. But it didn't go to plan. Um, at first, I thought it was like a, like a superpower. I can do anything. Who cares? What's the worst that can happen? Nothing can hurt me, because I can always kill myself, you know? And But then I realised you can't... You can't not care about things you actually care about. You can't fool yourself. And, and uh, there was something you said, that it's not all about me. And even though I'm in pain, it's worth sticking around to maybe make my little corner of the world a slightly better place. That's all there is. Happiness is amazing. It's so amazing, it doesn't matter if it's yours or not. There's that lovely thing. A society grows great when old men plant trees, the shade of which they know they will never sit in. Good people do things for other people. That's it, the end. Happiness is amazing. It's so amazing, it doesn't matter if it's yours or not. I love that phrase. It sticks with me every day after even, I think I saw that a month ago, and I think about it all the time. So much of the, so much of our thought process around dying is dire and morbid and fearful and we think about what it means to us or the people closest to us we're a part of a larger ecosystem and what we do affects others around us in such a way that we can make an impact on the happiness of others and that in itself is worthy my guest today is michelle florendo who i met through the alt mba process i'll make a note of alt mba in the show notes Here's Michelle. Oh, I totally lowered my chair, and now I'm like way lower. <laughs> Hang on, I can get watch. Okay. <laughs> I, can, I can join you there. So everybody gets asked the same question to start, which is, are you going to die? And to that, I say, of course. And it's something that's actually been more top of mind for me the past couple of years. If you don't mind, how so? So a little bit of context, I'm, I'm 36, so I, I wouldn't usually 
think about this question so much. It's usually like, oh, yes, at some point in time, gonna die. Of course, we all do. Uh, but there, there was an incident. Actually, it was about a year and a half ago, because if my son just turned three, it happened right when he was about 18 months. One day, I had trouble breathing, and I ended up in the ER and then the ICU. And I remember a doctor was holding up his phone in front of me because he had pulled up an x-ray of my throat. And he was telling me, you see this growth right there in your airway? That's the reason why you're having trouble breathing. We don't know what it is, but we know it's not supposed to be there. Wow. What, what did it end up being? It's a condition. Um, it's interesting because I think at the moment I was like, is this the big C? And there's like just a lot of things going on. And I almost wish it was something more well-known. Uh, but it's, it's a condition whose medical name pretty much means your throat is growing closed and likely will keep doing so. And we have no idea why. That, you're right. That's not satisfying. Right. Almost, almost, like a, almost like, like a real concise diagnosis, but it doesn't sound like it's quite as satisfying as you'd want. Yeah. It's interesting because it's this type of diagnosis has really made me rethink my relationship to uncertainty, which is hard as someone who who tends to be a planner and really likes knowing things. How, what was the distance in time between the time when you started having medical issues and the time when you were told that whatever the issue was was not necessarily life-threatening? Did you have a window of like uncertainty that was terrifying? Or? Yeah, so it was, it was at least a few months because I remember he was telling me that, um, so they didn't know what it was, and they wouldn't be able to know until they could get me on an operating table. But unfortunately, due to uh, like the location of the growth and like the, the number of doctors in the area that do this type of surgery, I couldn't get on someone's OR schedule for at least a month and a half. And that was the first surgery. And then they, I remember after that surgery, I had to go into the ICU again. And they said, yeah, um... So when we went in, what we saw was not what we were expecting. And so we're going to escalate this to uh, another surgeon. Basically, the surgeon at the time escalated it to the surgeon who had trained him. But I couldn't get on her schedule for another mm. couple months. During all this time, were you still having trouble breathing? No. So they were able to, I guess, so basically, like, if... If a normal windpipe, like when it's completely open, is 100%, mine was at least 70 to 75% blocked. Mm -hmm. And it just so happened that what triggered the breathing issues was I caught a cold from my toddler. And the, the like respiratory infection or just kind of like the light inflammation from that was enough to make it difficult for me to breathe. Mm -hmm. To use a, a cliche, 
when you talk to other women who've had children, they tell expecting mothers that all of the labor pain dissipates because you forget about it in the past. It's something that you're, that nature just helps you kind of forget the intensity of. When it comes to a, an experience that's a healthcare, like you mentioned, are you able to, does that also fade into the periphery or in your situation is it ever present because of this is always, I guess, kind of lurking? I mean, I, I'd say it, um, I find myself oscillating between three different mindsets. And it's actually the same ones that I I experienced that moment where they told me there was something in my throat. And I remember initially, there's just like the the reaction of fear, just like the cold fear pouring over your body because, you know, it's like, what? well, what is it? What does that mean? And then, you know, the question is, like, is my time limited here, right? And the fear that comes with that. And then um, the next mindset that that was triggered was the one born out of my background as a decision engineer. So in decision engineering, information has value. And some information does not. Information only has value if it's going to change what you're going to do in the future, And at that moment in time when they told me there is something in your throat and we don't know what it is, that wasn't actually enough information for me to change anything I was going to do. And so the decision engineer in me was just pretty much said, well, until you get information that actually is valuable, proceed as you have been. Hmm. And then the coach in me decided to go a step further and return back to the initial emotion of fear, right? The fear of, you know, well, what is, what's triggering the fear? The fear that my time here is limited. I have an 18 month old, mid thirties. This wasn't supposed to happen right now. But if I were to follow that line of logic, I mean, I think your show is all about how all of our times are limited, right? (laughs) And so if that's the case, how might I use this moment to really re-examine, am I spending the time that I have in the way that I want? And I think that's the mindset that I try to stay in most of the time. So do you find that that's easier now that you've gone through this compared to the before, Michelle, or do you find that it's just as challenging as before? Over the past year and a half, it's become easier to stay in that third mindset. It's been a practice, right? It takes effort to stay there. Um, and I, I, I wouldn't say that, like, I don't experience those moments of, of fear. Like, it's like, I remember when we were waiting to see what would be the rate of progression of this growth to see if we could even get pregnant again. There was a lot of Sometimes those moments of fear, but I think it was the practice of just developing an awareness of what I was feeling and noticing that at any given moment, I have a choice of how I want to be experiencing the moment and developing the muscle of choosing the mindset that would make me feel best. Did you find that that there's any specific thing you can do, a, a habit, a reminder, a trigger to put you in that I have a choice mindset or is it just innate in you now? I think, so if I were to rewind 10 years ago, 
I don't know if I would have had the mental fortitude to be able to stay in that, like, I have a choice space. I think, like, the practice of mindfulness and meditation definitely helps the ability to step out of our emotions and and notice what's happening without judgment, right? Because I think it's easy... It's easy to sometimes either be in the emotion or be in complete denial of the emotion, which I feel like is like that first mindset and that second mindset that I talked about. But to, to be able to step out of it and observe it and get curious about, okay, well, how, how do I want to relate to what I'm feeling is the question that, that always comes up. It's interesting. A lot of the folks I've spoken with have used mindfulness slash meditation as a tool to mm. get kind of to stay kind of cognizant about the limited time. Could you share like how you've actually approached that? Because I find that meditation is a daunting topic for those who haven't kind of dipped their toe in the water. Totally agree. Um, and like, I, I was definitely one of those people. Like I'm the type of person who lives in my mind quite a bit, just because my mind has gotten me very far. <laughs> I like my mind. And so I remember years ago, the idea of meditation, I thought meditation was clearing my mind of thoughts. And I thought, why would I want to do that? <laughs> I, I value my thoughts. My thoughts are great. And uh, it wasn't until someone described meditation and mindfulness as not necessarily emptying the mind of thoughts, but being able to simply observe them. I think, I think it's the app Headspace that describes thoughts as, as like cars on a freeway. And you can either be in the car on the freeway, either in traffic or speeding along with the thought, or a different way of engaging with those thoughts is to sit on the side of the road and watch them go by. I was recently hiking and I'd never really done much hiking, my wife and I, and I'm terrible at meditation, but I'm trying. And mm. a lot of people say it's a journey. And one of the things I found myself doing, I'm not sure if this is right, is I kept removing myself from myself and almost like looking at it as if a camera had pulled back and mm -hmm. I could see from the outside, you know, this is Jerry doing this, or this is me doing that. And it was, it was weirdly centering it was weirdly, because yeah. otherwise a day or a week or even an hour will go by and it'll just, you won't even recognize that it's occurred. But actually, to your point, observing and being observant to what's happening now is something mm -hmm. that I think you have to grow. And I think you used the word muscle before. I think it's another muscle we have to actually work. Right. So have, have, you, have you been doing that long, the meditation or no? It, it has been a journey. I think, <laughs> so my, my husband gifted me, I don't know if I considered it a gift at the time, but he gifted me a silent meditation retreat back when we got married. I guess that was six years ago. <laughs> and and it was interesting to to be in a setting where I was pretty much just it was just me and my mind. There are a lot of people around uh, and, and teachers, but I couldn't talk. And I think that piece around understanding that mindfulness is more, like you said, like kind of stepping out almost like we're, we're watching like the, the, the video of what's happening or um, getting in our body, like noticing 
the physical sensations of things is something that also really helped me. Like even being able to notice the feeling of the ground beneath my feet. Yeah. And get me out of the car, so to say. Yeah. I um I, I was laughing with somebody else I was talking about meditation with because I, one one of the guided meditations in one of the apps that I use said, you know, sit in a chair, unclench your forehead. And I'm like, how dare you presume that oh, you're right. <laughs> I, I had no idea that my forehead was even clenchable, much less clenched currently. Right. So it's funny to your point, if you don't like to do the I think they call it body scans, mm-hmm. that you have no idea what you're just kind of holding. Just yeah. walking around with. So it's, it's, I've, I've, I only bring it up because I've found it to be, and it seems like a worthy thing to investigate into practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are other, other things. For, I think we all are kind of on the journey to figure out how to stay mindful and not let days and time just zit, uh, zoom by. Anything else that you can think of that you found to be beneficial to uh, kind of get the most out of the time that we have? I think for me also simply just being in the present has been a practice over the past 10 years. Um, Again, I used to be the type of person who would think forward into the future quite a bit and possibly live like half my life in the future, thinking about the plans, what I'm going to do, what I need to do, all of those things, without fully sitting uh, in what I was experiencing at the moment. What's next? What's next? I know what you mean. Yeah, I think, and it's not as if I've totally given up that forward thinking part of me, but I found that blocking off time to just be in the present. And again, um, like physically be here and not just be in my mind, but be here in my mind, body, notice what emotions are coming up, has also been helpful in letting go of that unending pull sometimes of the, like you said, what's next, what's next. Mm-hmm. Has, has the experience of being a mother had any impact in any direction on, on kind of your being recognizing the whole mortality thing? Yeah. And I think my toddler definitely helps me be in the present because uh, I don't know, developmentally, he probably doesn't even like know how to think into the future right now. <laughs> the future's probably like seven seconds in the future. That's <laughs> right. Actually, especially that he's turned three. Now is very much a thing. He wants it now, now <laughs> to talk about anything happening later. is just boggles his mind. And it is a funny thing because I think it's, it's helped me anchor into the present and also look for what is it that I can be thankful for in this moment? Like I remember you know, that, that period of time when he would wake up multiple times at night and then crawl into our bed. And I think sometimes it can be easy to get annoyed by that or like, Oh, why, why, why are you here? Why are you <laughs> uh, but again, kind of like tapping into one you know, the moment itself and to that idea of this too shall pass and how will I feel about that would remind me, you know, at some point in time, I'm going to miss this. And so I might as well enjoy it right now. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I'm not going to foist advice on you. My kids are all older. My youngest is 18. Uh-huh. And, and um, I do think a lot about the times when I said, you know, I wish 
I had maybe stayed and played pretend another 10 minutes or, and I didn't play pretend thinking how I can get out of this to do the next thing. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the nice thing about children, I think looking back is they're such an immediate and easy source of joy. They, they definitely just, that maybe it's that immediacy that they just give you so many opportunities to be basically be a child it gives you permission to not be your your adult self and to mm-hmm. experience joy almost like being a child over again but only if you're actually plugged in when it happens so that's the tricky part right. so it's just, and so i wish that you do a better job than i did <laughs> <laughs> working Cause, on it cuz it does go fast my kids were born <laughs> in my head about 7 minutes ago <laughs> and they all drive cars and and vote oh. yikes and i really can't thank you enough for being accommodating and spending the time and and i wish you nothing but the best of luck as you move forward with the with with baby number 2 Thank you. It was awesome and I love that you're you. doing this podcast. It was it was cool to see your post. And I was like, oh, this is actually really great. Thanks again to my guest, Michelle Florendo. Please check out her site at michelleflorendo.com. She has great articles there and information about her coaching practice. And she's even got a podcast coming out later this year around decision making. So please check that out. Thanks so much for listening to the Not Immortal Podcast. My name is Jerry Gerard. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at, at Jerry Gerard. You can also follow the show at the website, notimmortal.com. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes, Overcast, and Stitcher, and Spotify, and all the other places that you can get podcasts. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.